We're talking about alter ego. And, and the reason that the series is entitled Alter Ego is because we're talking about an altar that you're laying your ego down on. Right? Now, how many of you are a bit egotistical? If you didn't raise your hand, then that's your confession. That you're really egotistical. <laughs> you want to try that again? <laughs> you need a do-over? So we're talking about egos. Ego is, is what you think or what the, the world thinks about you, right? A lot We all get concerned about what other people think about us, right? Don't we? The reason you brushed your hair this morning and wore cologne and, and, and brushed your teeth was because you knew you were going to run into somebody. And you were worried about what they thought about you, right? My, my son has no ego in that department. He rides his sister's pink bicycle. He, he puts on, he'll wear her pink rubber boots, walking in the mud looking for a snake to kill. He, he, it, he's not concerned, and it bothers me for him. I'm trying to give him an ego, right? And so this, this, the title of our message this morning is Need for Control. Now, how many of you have the need for control? If you raised your neighbor's hand, then that's a pretty good sign that you have a need for control. Right? If you raised your husband's hand, you might have a control issue, right? How many of you ever been accused of being called a control freak? Those that are raising each other's hands. You know, typically we try to control two things. We try to control people and circumstances, don't we? We try to control people. We try to control the way people look. Right, ladies? You, you try to make sure your husband don't look like my son when he leaves the house. You're wearing that? Are you serious? Pastor Bubba told me this morning, and this is no pun intended, but he told me this morning that he, he's got this, you know, he had hernia surgery, so he's got this girdle thing. He, he tried to man it up and say it's a girdle, but it's, it's a girdle. And so he, he said, I was wearing a white shirt, but you could see. And he said, Tracy came in and said, I can see it. Go change your shirt. He was like, mm-hmm. so he put a black shirt on. But sometimes our, our wives like to dress us, right? Come on, you're in church. No, she can't do you anything right now. You do have to go home. That's a good point. But maybe the barbecue will kind of settle her down. But we, we try to control people. We try to control the way they think, the way they speak, the way they do things. We want them to fit in our own little box, don't we? We want to make people who we believe they should be. Well, why are they doing that? Don't, they should be doing this. Right? Why would they buy a Chevrolet? They should have bought a Ford. Seriously. No, that was a good question. And then we try to control circumstances. We want to make the outcome that we want in every situation, right? When we go through things, we want to make the outcome how we want it to be, right? So what do we do? We try to control the circumstance. We, we jump on it, we get on it, and we go after it, and we hold on to it, and we try to manipulate things here and manipulate things here to make it come out like we want it to come out in our timing, Right? I believe most of us are control freaks because we're just not patient enough to wait on God's timing. I'm number one. 
I'm an impatient man. I've, I've tried to deny it. I've tried to hide it. God doesn't move fast enough for me. Right? So we try to control those things. And in controlling those things, we start to edge God out, don't we? Because the more we take control of the situation or the people around us, the more we kind of edge God out, don't we? We start just kind of slowly pushing him out to the side. And you start, basically what you're saying to God is that I don't really need you that much. And then you don't like the way he does things, so then you go, I don't need you that much more. I, I got this, Lord. I'll call you if I have a problem. Control freaks. I'm a control freak. Let me twist the scriptures up for you this morning. The Bible says in Proverbs that trust in the Lord with some of your heart and lean on your own understanding. And in some of your ways, acknowledge him and you will make your path straight. I believe if we were honest this morning, most of us would say that's where my life is. I trust in the Lord with some of my heart. I lean on my own understanding. And in some of my ways, I acknowledge him. Amen. Does that fit? It fits in my life. I want to go till I can't go anymore. And then I go, okay, God, you can take control. How many times have I found myself in a place where I'm empty? I'm worn out. I'm exhausted because I've been trying to do it myself. You ever been there before? You just get to the end of your rope. You're frustrated. Nobody likes you. Your family don't like you. Your dog don't like you. Nobody wants to be around you. You look up and you're all of a sudden you're alone all the time. In Genesis, you remember the story of Abraham and Sarah, right? When, when Abraham, God made Abraham a promise that you're going to be the father of nations. You're going to have descendants that you can't even count. God cast this big old vision over his life. And he's getting older. And he's, his wife's never bore a child. And time keeps ticking and ticking and ticking into the future. <laughs> y'all, y'all didn't even get with that one. But this time keeps ticking. And so Abraham and Sarah, they get impatient. Sarah wants to have a baby, right? You remember the story? She's desperately wanting to have a baby, but she can't. I bet there was days Abraham was hiding from Sarah. I bet he went on all kinds of business trips. So I need a break. So Sarah, in her desperation, getting tired of waiting for God, she says to Abraham, would you take my maidservant Hagar and would you sleep with her and bear a child through her for me? And so he does, and she becomes pregnant. She has a son named Ishmael. Remember? Ishmael, the Bible says that, the Bible actually said this about Ishmael. It said that you, you're going to constantly be fighting with people. You're going to constantly be fighting in your relationships. That's what the angel of the Lord said over Ishmael. Isn't that crazy? How many of you want that prophecy over you? Listen. 
you're going to constantly fight with all your relatives. Some of you going, man, somebody said that over me. <laughs> I felt that way at one point in my life. So, so she gives birth to Ishmael and all these things happen. And so there's two things you can learn from that story. Number one, if your wife ever tells you to sleep with a woman named Hagar, don't do it. Rule number two, always remember rule number one. Don't sleep with Hagar. In other words, don't make provisions for yourself. Wait on God. You see, Sarah was so desperate and so wanting to control the situation that she actually let her husband sleep with her maidservant to produce a child. Now, she had legitimate reasons, right? She was about 86 years old at this time. She was getting up in age. That's a big shot. That's kind of old. I think I'd have been a little impatient myself, right? But God's promises are yes and amen. And when he says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. It's whether we believe it or not. It's not whether or not he changed his mind. It's whether we believe it, right? You want to know what's funny about Ishmael is that even today, 2,000 years later, the descendants of Ishmael are the Palestinians. That you hear about on the news, the Palestinians, that's the descendants of Ishmael. You know who they're fighting with? The descendants of Isaac, the Jews. Still today, you see what happens when you try to take control of a situation. When my life is a wreck, it's because I've taken control of it. When things become a mess, it's when I'm in control. It never fails. Every time I hit rock bottom, I look up and God goes, you going to give it up this time? And the crazy thing is that I don't intentionally go out and say, I don't get up in the, on Monday morning and say, okay, I'm taking back control, God. It's my turn to be on duty. I'm clocking in. I don't do that. But what do I do? I start not trusting when situations come. I start, when things get a little scary, right? We start just, just gaining a little bit of control. Well, I'm going to do this. Or your finances start getting a little tight, right? You start saying, uh, well, maybe we'll tithe at the end of the month instead of every week just to see if we got, and you start compromising, right? And here comes the end of the month and nothing's gotten better. And what do you do? You don't tithe at all. You see how you slip into it? It's not that we jump off the diving board and say, I'm in control. I don't believe anybody does that. I believe we begin to compromise. Is that true in your life? Compromise? Just begin to slip a little bit? You know you have a control idol if your greatest nightmare is uncertainty. How many of you like uncertainty? Come on. How many of you like not, what, not knowing what's going on tomorrow? Yeah, I've lived most of my life on Sunday afternoon and I plan my week out. Now I'm in a place where I can't make any plans. It's driving me crazy. I like to be in control. Maybe you're a single woman and you're tired of waiting on the perfect man and you settle for a loser. 
or just some ordinary guy. Maybe it's your finances. You tithe later. You take control of what belongs to God. You want something and you want it now, right? You want it now. My youngest daughter has money in her pocket from her birthdays. And she's literally driving me and my wife nuts because she wants to go to Walmart and spend her money. I'm serious. It's like every time we see Anna, we're about to start running. It's like she comes, Ma, Ma, Mama, Mama, can we go to Walmart? And here's the craziest thing. She's my most tender kid. So I can't just blow up because I'll break her in half. Right? So I'm sitting here going... And she has no control. And I'm trying to keep control. But aren't we like that sometimes? So let me give you three things. First thing, it, it, is it worth your concern? The first question you need to ask is, is it worth my concern? Is this thing really that important? I got a friend, his wife won't let him clean up nothing at the house. She won't let him fold the clothes. She won't let him wash the dishes. She won't let him mop the floors. He can't do anything inside the house because he don't do it right. And I'm jealous. I mean, let me tell you, you come to my house and you want to ask, if you say, hey, do you need help with something? You better watch. You're going to get a list. I'm serious. My wife has no issue if the towels aren't folded correctly. I have more of an issue. When you open up the cabinet and the towel jumps out at you, that's a problem for me. But is it really worth all the concern is what you've got to ask yourself. Is it really that important? You remember the story of Martha and Mary? Jesus comes to their house. Listen to this. Jesus Christ himself comes into their house. To have supper. Jesus comes over for supper. Now, number one, hopefully you had your house somewhat neat because Jesus is coming. And hopefully you have some kind of plans for supper, right? But Martha was so worried about everything and so much wanting to control the whole situation that she's running around the house like a busy bee. Dishes rattling, cabinets slamming, and she's going, where's Mary? Oh, God, I need some help. Where's Mary? Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus. Wow, Lord, that's good. And Martha's, where are some of you like that? That's, you don't have to raise your hand, husband. I understand. And so Martha actually comes to Jesus. She goes, Lord, would you tell my sister to help me? Jesus says to her, he goes, you need to discover what Mary's discovered. That when the master's at the house, you need to be in his presence. You need to learn what's important, Martha. You see, Jesus didn't go to the house because everything was perfect. And for all of us control freaks, freaks, we believe that once we get everything under control, then the presence of God is going to come. Right? Right? God will show up once I get my finances in order. Isn't that the way we believe? God will show up when my house is perfect. How many of you actually have to do everything that you want to do before you can actually have a quiet time? Come on. You got to wash the dishes, fold the clothes, 
uh, get the kids off to school. You got to do all these things. Then Jesus. I'm that way in business. I get up in the morning and as soon as my feet hit the ground, I'm gone. I want to run, right? I want to go take care of my business. And during the day, I'll find some time for Jesus, which, by the way, never happens. Right? But I get confused and I believe that this is what is important, just like Martha did. And being in the presence of Jesus or understanding what Jesus wants or getting to know Jesus is not as important. But it sure is funny that when I get up in the morning a little bit earlier instead of just hitting the the ground running and I spend some time with Jesus and I make him the first fruit of my day, that I don't really have to control the rest of the day. Amen? Isn't it funny how just the rest of the day seems to be some kind of an anointing on the rest of the day? Doesn't mean that it's perfect. Usually when I spend time with the Jesus in the morning, there's hell the rest of the day. Right? The difference is, is that now I've got something inside of me to get through it. But us control freaks, what do we have to do? We've got to do everything first. Then Jesus. Is it really worth my concern? Does it really matter if your eight-year-old son combs his hair? God, that's for me. I can just hear myself. Dude, brush your hair. You wearing those shoes? That's a good message. I'm trying to learn how to just embrace the mess. Right? Sometimes we just got to let go. I mean, I'm, th- I'm just believing for that day whenever he discovers. I'm, I, this might sound bad, but I'm believing for the day when he discovers girls. Because everything magically changes, right? The brother's hair is brushed, it's slicked back. He's now wanting his mom to buy him some mousse or whatever you people put in your hair these days. And all this stuff, I'm out of touch. And then he's wearing cologne, and he's up early, and he's dressed right. And I'm like, that's when I'll know. Isn't that the truth? I'll never have to tell him to brush his teeth again until he gets married. Then she'll have to tell him. Number two, is it mine to control? You've got to ask yourself that question. Is it mine to control? And the answer is yes and no. Do you know that God has given you some things to control? If your finances are, are messed up, then you need to cut your credit cards up. You need to go get you some professional financial help. And you need to start tithing. Amen? That's what you're supposed to control. If your marriage is a wreck, maybe you need to learn how to shut your mouth, go seek some counseling, and take her out on a date. Come on, ladies, dear goodness. That was the perfect opportunity. Go with me to James chapter 4. I want to show you something. James chapter 4, and I want you to, when I'm finished reading the verse, I want you to bring that, that, Slide up. James chapter 4, go to verse 13 and 14. You learning something yet? All you control freaks? 
Good. Verse 13, chapter 4, verse 13 in James. Watch what he says. He says, look here, you who say, today and tomorrow we are going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year. We will do business there and make a certain profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like a morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. Wow. Now, there's something I learned the other day. Throw that up there real quick. When we work, dot, 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 we work, right? For all of us control freaks. When we work, we work. But when we pray, dot, 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 God works. Are you seeing this? Do you know that when you pray, you, in a sense, give up control of your life? When you tell God what's going on in your life, you give up control and you say, Lord, I need some help. The first step in giving up control is to really ask for help. Some of you have heard me share the story of a a guy that we used to do business with. He owns a company, and the name of his company is IDIM. And so it was an awkward name. So one day we were doing a job for him. I said, hey, so what, what is that? What is your name? What does your company name mean? I-D-I-M. He goes, oh, it's simple. He said, I got tired of working with other people, so I do it myself. <laughs> Named his company. You think he's got an ego problem? Slightly. I mean, you name your company, I do it myself. What is that saying? But how much are we like that? I used to live across the street from this, this elderly lady, and she was elderly, but she was like, she was a mover and a shaker. This lady could do anything. She was single. And my neighbor next to me was uh, one of our, he's almost like grandparents to us. He was in a wheelchair, and, and he, so he could do few things. He had muscular dystrophy or, or whatever it was. And so he could do very few things, but his, one of his things he did to bless me was he'd always take my garbage out on Thursdays because he could hook it to his little chair, and boom, he'd take the garbage out. So he was going to bless the lady across the street one morning. Went over there and got her garbage can and put it to the street. And she walked outside. And she goes, I can do that. He never went across the street again. But aren't we like that? I can do that. I got this. Right? I can handle this. I don't need no help. The third question you might want to ask yourself is, is it, is, it, is it for God alone to control? Go with me to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7 says this. I love this verse. It says, don't worry about anything. Say anything. Say it again. Instead, pray about everything. Say everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So Paul is saying, don't worry about anything. But in everything, pray. Tell God what you need. You see, that's the giving up of control. Is that when you pray, instead of worrying, pray. 
right? Because listen, if you're like me, I'm the type of worrier. When I start worrying, I get edgy. I get sharp or short, as my wife says. Not this way, just kind of this way. I start barking is how she really says it. You're barking. She'll look at me and she'll go, you're barking. <laughs> what do you mean I'm barking? <laughs> what are you worried about? Nothing. You have that issue? Pray for me. But when I worry, I start to get short and I start to get, oh, I start barking and I start growling and I'm edgy and, and I fuss at the kids and nobody wants to play with me. Right? And then listen, there's no peace in my life. Right? When I'm trying to do it in Jamie Striff, there's no peace in my life. Because when I'm in control, I got to figure out what's coming next. Right? I'm spending my time, energy, and efforts into trying to fill up the uncertainty ahead of me. That's what happens when you take control. Is you start trying to fill this big old empty thing that you can never fill. It, there was times in business where, honestly, we just we didn't have any work coming up. There was Fridays coming around the corner, and we didn't have money to make payroll. We owed $15,000 in payroll, and it was Thursday. How many of you say that that's a good excuse to get worried? Right? I mean, come on, seriously. I'm like, I justify. I'm like, Lord, it's Thursday, and you ain't showed up. I'm going to have about 10 Mexicans on top of my head tomorrow. But what Denny and I learned was that you just shut your mouth and you just pray. And we, we started taking this attitude to when, when, when Thursday came and we were broke. We took the attitude of, let's just pray. Because it got to the point where we were about to start beating each other up. And that's two big boys. That's a long fight. Unless we get winded, then we have to take a break. But it's at least for 10 minutes. But we would just pray. We said, Lord, you know, you know. Money's got to come from somewhere. And we've been calling people since Monday. Hey, you going to pay me this week? Are you going to pay me this week? Come on, I got to have my money. I mean, we were begging people. We got into the habit of begging people. And honestly, I felt embarrassed for begging for my money. You know why? Because I felt like I'm a child of God. I'm an ambassador for Christ. What in the heck am I doing begging for money? My God has more than I could ever spend. Why am I sitting over here begging these men for money, stressing myself, trying to, trying to get them to answer the phone? So then I shut up and I just started praying and I left them alone. I said, God, you know what we need. And here comes Thursday afternoon. 345, maybe 445, and the phone rings. And somebody on the other side says, hey, we, got, we will have your check ready in the morning. And you go, okay, thank you. We'll see you there bright and early. What time do you open up? <laughs> right? We're sitting in the parking lot waiting. <laughs> you see, because when we work, we work. But when we pray, God works. That's why Philippians is so incredible. That instead of getting anxious and worrying about things, if you'll just pray for them, just tell God what you need. He already knows. 
You know that. He already knows, right? It seems like he gets us to tell him just so that we get to know. Isn't that funny? And then watch the, watch the second part of this verse. It says, then you will experience God's peace. How many of you want to experience the peace of God? You got to first understand that bad things are going to happen, that you're going to go through things. It's like what Lindsay said. Bad things are going to happen. Uncertainties are going to come. It's not because God's mad at you. It's because he wants you to experience him. How do you ever know if he can show up for you financially if you constantly keep running to the bank or to mama? For all you mamas, you're like, amen. The greatest thing my mama ever did for me is when I quit college, she gave me my car note, my insurance note, and she said, good luck, buddy. I went, huh? You're not going to pay for me no more? Mm-mm. Psalms 46.10, and I want to just stop here for a minute. In Psalms 46.10, just a real special verse for me right now in life. And I got to confess that even, even studying for this message, I uh, found myself on my knees repenting for some things. Psalms 48 or 46.10 says, very simply, says, be still and know that I'm God, right? Be still and know that I'm God. That's so the opposite of run out there and try and fix it and then try to give God the glory for it, right? He simply says to be still and know that I am God. Last year was a, I just want to share some of my testimony. Last year was a crazy year for Cheryl and I. Many of you know we, we've owned, we own a business, a construction company, and we were campus pastors here in Eunice, have been for three years. So for three years, we've been trying to juggle a concrete business and church, right? And so personally, I was responsible for somewhere around 125 people. I had 50 employees at Creative Edge, and I had approximately 100 people here at church or so. So I was responsible for that many people. In the first couple of years, I, I don't know what happened the first two years we were here, but last year just seemed to be a crazy, crazy year for us. Uh, some of you may have noticed it, but we were stressed out. Uh, typically in the construction industry that I was in, our busy season would be from April, sometimes the end of April, beginning of May, all the way to the end of October. And come the end of October, it would pretty much stop and we would go into our slow season. Okay, and so at the beginning of last year, we'd been in business for eight years. And so I kind of got used to that season. Busy season, work 70, 80 hours a week. And then come end of October, boom, 30, 40 hours a week, Right? You kind of see the routine we were on. So the way it started was that when the slow season would come, I wouldn't go out to the jobs. There wouldn't be anything to do. I would just spend my time in my pajamas at my house. 
spending time in the word and praying and and just really spending time with Jesus. And I would get words from God and he would give me vision for the upcoming year and all these things. And that's the way we just seemed to roll. And I really enjoyed life and everything was going good because God seemed to be in control and I wasn't. But something shifted last year. And for some reason, I took back control. And so the beginning of our busy season last year, I take back control of everything that God had built so far. So I'm I'm trying to pastor the church. I'm trying to meet with people. I'm trying to preach on Sundays. I'm trying to have vision for the church. I'm trying to have vision for my company. I'm trying to go forward with those things. I've got all these people, these customers. I'm taking about 200 phone calls a day. How many of you need a phone call? I was taking literally, one day I just... For some stupid reason, I decided to count them. It was 200 phone calls that day. And so life is going crazy. I go to bed at night and my heart's beating. It never stopped. Maybe sometime during the night. This is how I laid in bed at night. Swear I was still outside working, raking, cutting grass, weeding something. And my heart was just, I'm not kidding you. There was times I thought I was having a heart attack. I'd lay in bed until I, like that until I fell asleep. And it got worse as the year went on. And then came August and September and October. And by the time October came around, I was, I was about at my wit's end. I couldn't go anymore. I was seriously thinking about going to the doctor because my heart wouldn't slow down. Phone's still ringing off the hook, still concerned about everything. I put my nose in everything in the business. I had a business partner who he was supposed to control one aspect of the business. I was supposed to control the other. I, I, at the end of October, I found myself trying to control his portion. That's where I found myself at the end of October when everything stopped. I found myself seriously in control of everything. And I was a weak broken, worn-out man. I wanted to quit. I wanted to quit the church. I wanted to quit business. I wanted to just go hide in a cave somewhere. That's where I was. And so in my egotistic mentality or in my ego, I decided that if I got to do all this anyway, if I'm controlling all this anyway, I just assume buy my business partner. That way I can have all the profits for myself. You see my attitude. So I prayed about it and I asked God for a couple of weeks what I should do. And I felt like one morning he just told me, said, go make him an offer. I said, okay. I'm going to make him an offer. I'm taking this whole day gone thing by myself. It's my attitude. So I sit down across the desk from my business partner and one of my best friends. And I look at him and I go, I'm going to buy you out. No compassion. No care. No concern. No nothing. Remember, I was a wound-up clock. I want to buy you out. And I blew it. And I, I heard him. And he said, I need some time. Give me a couple of days off. So I'm in my mind, I'm making plans for next year, right? Because I'm still in control. I'm going to do this thing by myself. I had it all figured out. I was going to run the church and the business by myself. Mind you. 
thank God my business partner is a praying man. And he's a very compassionate man. He came back to me and he says, uh, I prayed. I said, God told me to stay where I'm at. <laughs> I was like, dang it. What do I do now? I said, all right. I said, well, something's going to happen. I said, give me some time off. So I took two weeks. Turned my phone off. Changed my voicemail to go to Denny. He's not taking 400 phone calls a day. Poor fella. And for two weeks, I think it was, I, I just moped around the house. In my pajamas, my slippers. I tried to pray. I tried to seek the Lord. I tried to do all these things. After a couple of days, I was able to be still. It's like the verse says, to be still. Kind of just wound down a little bit, and I was still. And then when I was still, God began to minister to my heart. He began to speak to me. He began to show me things about myself that I didn't realize because I was too wound up. And he showed me how much I care for the people in the church now and how much I don't care for business. You see, business was something I didn't want to let go of. It's something I built for nine years, and I didn't want to let go of it. And he, he showed me my heart and where I was. And so in that, I went to talk to Pastor Bubba, and he gave us great counsel, and I did a lot of repenting after I was still. You see, when you're in control, you don't realize how much or how much you hurt people around you, Right? When you're a control freak, you don't care about other people's feelings. You're just trying to get something done. And so I went to Denny, and I made things right with us. I repented. We made things right. And I said, man, I don't know what's going to happen here. I said, but let's just pray and see what God says. And I shared with him how my heart changed. And so we prayed. And a couple weeks later, I was planning on staying. I mean, I didn't know what was going to happen. There was a lot of uncertainty in front of me. My wife and I were just... A couple weeks later, he comes to me and he makes me an offer. He prayed and woke up that, that night at midnight and got a word from God about what to offer me. And he made me an offer, a very generous offer, and to buy me out of the company. And I said, okay. And we sold our business, our half of the business. The reason I'm sharing this with you is because, number one, it's, it's where I'm at. But number two, when I studied this message and I studied about control and, and where I was, I felt like I had to share this to let you know that it's okay to be out of control. It's okay to let go of control. Amen? It's okay to let God be the boss. Because when he's the boss, things seem to go better. Things seem to go right. And people tend to like each other still. Right? So since we've sold the business and we're going full-time ministry, and you'll see us more often now, and I really wasn't wanting to share that from here, but I've shared it with a few people here, but so that's where we are. And I've learned something, and this is what God spoke to me in this message was. He says, Jamie, you're good at taking control. I made you to be a drill sergeant. You have that mentality. 
but you're not going to come into the church and do the same thing. So pray for me. I'm serious. Because I am a control freak. And I like to be in control. I didn't take a check from the church for three years. You want to know why? Just so that nobody could tell me what to do. I didn't want to be controlled by somebody else. I said, no, you don't have to pay me. I'll pay my own way. That way I can be my own boss. You see where I was? You find yourself anywheres around that? Anywheres around that where you're in control and you don't want people telling you what to do? You don't want, you surely don't want God telling you what to do. I realized this morning, I'm not good when I'm in control. We couldn't even go on vacation as a family. Because the first two days, it took me just to unwind. We couldn't even make it out the driveway. And I would be barking, and my wife said, okay, you can kill the car and unload the luggage. We're staying home. I'm not paying all this money to spend time with a dog that barks all the time. Now, she didn't call me a dog, but that's what she meant. Right? I was out of control because I was in control. So I don't know where you find yourself at this morning. But I pray that you can be like Mary and not so much like Martha. And I pray that we can learn to control what God gives us to control and trust him with the rest. Because you see, when you have a control issue, you have a trust issue. Right? Nobody ever walks around saying, I don't trust you, God. Right? We sing songs, trust you, Lord. Oh, I trust you, Lord. You're my everything. Most people sing lies, don't we? But it's funny how our lives say whether or not we trust God. Can you stand up with me this morning? You see, Psalms is an invitation. It's God's invitation to you. He says, be still and know that I am God. Be still long enough to know that I am God. He was saying to Sarah, he says, Sarah, be still long enough to show you that I can show up, to show you that I have the power to make you when you're 90-something years old to have a baby. Be still and know that I am God. And that's his invitation to us today is to be still and know that he's God and that we're not. Amen. You'll never call yourself God, but you'll act like it. Won't you? I've been trying for the last month to get my wife to call me Lord. I got my phone convinced I'm Lord. Siri calls me Lord. Pray for me, I said. Told you I was a control freak. I say, Siri, put this on my schedule. Yes, Lord. This kind of does something to my spirit. But it's a great reminder that I'm not Lord.
and that he is. And his invitation is to be still and know that he's God. If you're never still, then you can never know. Right? And I've realized this morning that one of the hardest things for us to do is to give up control. It's hard to let go. To be honest with you, I'm struggling. Letting go. I don't even know what that looks like. I'm just trusting that every day as I try to take back what I think that I can control, that I'm going to listen for the Holy Spirit to say, no, let me do that. And then I'm going to have to say, okay. I can't imagine what Pastor Josh and Lindsay are going through. Lord knows if it was me, I'd probably be trying to run across the United States and the world to try and fix him. And I would kill myself trying to fix him. I'm so proud that they are being still and letting God and getting to know God in the midst of it all. Amen. It's time to stop fixing ourselves and let God do something.